Hello, and welcome to the KPMG Building Confidence Podcast. This episode will focus on the latest developments in relation to the government's audit and corporate governance reforms. Just last month, the government announced that it had withdrawn the proposed changes to the Companies Act, which introduced new reporting requirements. This came as a surprise to many participants of the corporate ecosystem, as we had anticipated that the changes would be approved by Parliament in October. In addition to that, the King's speech in November did not include primary legislation needed to set up the Auditing, Reporting and Governance Authority, ARGA. And shortly after that, the FRC released a policy update on the proposed changes to the UK Corporate Governance Code as well. Today, I'm joined by Greg Stinson, Head of Accounting Advisory Services, and Manisha Sanchen, who specialise in advising our clients on the quality of their corporate reporting, to share what we're hearing from different stakeholders on what these latest developments mean for companies. Greg, could you tell us more about these important updates, please? Yes, hi, hi Phil, of course. Um, so our listeners will remember the draft regulations were the product of work over a number of years. So they originally stemmed from a series of reviews, which included Sir Donald Bryden's independent review on the quality and effectiveness of audit, which is you know, 2018, 2019. The ultimate goal, you know, goal of these being to improve trust and transparency um, following a number of, of corporate failures. And the idea behind the regulations would have been to um, have incremental new reporting requirements in relation to a resilience statement, audit and assurance policy, fraud, and some disclosures with respect to distributable reserves for companies meeting a specific thre- thre- uh, size threshold. Now, it is understood um, that at least in part, these draft regulations have been withdrawn to reduce the reporting burden on companies and ensure that um, the UK maintains at one of the best places to be, uh, do business in the world, or at least um, doesn't reduce its attractiveness. And we had heard that some organisations had raised concerns about those reporting burdens. What I would say is it was very much an 11th hour decision because we were expecting these draft regulations to be published in the second half of of October, and it was a last-minute decision before they were approved in in Parliament. Um, Manisha, I don't know if you want to touch on what was or or perhaps wasn't in the King's speech. Yes, thank you, Greg. Um, So the primary legislation needed to set up ARGA was not included in the King's speech in November, and that what what it means is that ARGA is very unlikely to be established before the next general election, and therefore it may not be up and running until 2026 or 2027 even. And uh, shortly after the King's speech, the FRC issued a policy update on its work on the proposed changes to the UK Corporate Governance Code. And what it said there was that over half of the originally proposed changes to the code will not be taken forward. And those that will not be taken forward, some of them relate to some of the disclosures that were going to be introduced via the draft changes to Companies Act. So these are the Odin Assurance Policy and Resilience Statement. And uh, other changes that have been dropped relates to um, role of the Audit Committee on ESG, diversity, overboarding, amongst other matters. In, in that policy update, what the FRC also said is that it is making revisions to the originally proposed changes to internal controls, and that now we can expect to see a final code in January 2024. Mm, so quite a complicated picture there. Greg, Manisha, what, what are we hearing from the different stakeholders that we're speaking to? 
Okay, I'll I'll start, Manisha, if you like. Um, I think there's definitely a mixed, um, you know, mixed sentiment out there. Perhaps if I break them down into into buckets, if I start with the investor community, I think definitely a mixed picture. We've, you know, some some investors I think are grateful to see the withdrawal of the Companies Act changes to reduce this increasing reporting burden that I touched on. Others have been uh, publicly disappointed. So you've seen we've seen some investors publishing their questions um, on on why this decision was made. If I move to the uh, boards and audit committees that we've we've spoken to over the course of the last month or so, um, without doubt, you know, boards and audit committees throughout this process are, are, are very supportive of uh, the fundamentals associated with fraud risk management, resilience um, over the medium term, um, understanding an organization's assurance framework, and all of these things are as relevant as ever. And um, even though the prescribed methodologies and the, the, the related disclosures are not going to come into effect as far as we can see um, right now. So we're definitely hearing, you know, these things are the right things to do um, and the driver are is carrying out the board rule diligently, not necessarily the regulation at the end of it. If, if I touch on the the UK Corporate Governance Code, I think boards and audit committees have definitely um, expressed pl- uh, how pleased they are that the FRC is in listening mode and that um, some of those proposals that Manisha just referred to, which are not being taken forward, were not deemed fundamental to the original audit reforms that were set out in the twenty. 21 Bayes white paper and they hadn't actually achieved the full support of all of the stakeholders um, and, and similarly on controls whilst we need to wait until January to see what is finally published I think there is um, you know board members audit committee members are pleased that the regulator uh, seems to be in listening mode and taking all of the feedback on board before publishing its its final position one point I think is very important. There's clearly going to be a requirement for the regulator to clearly articulate how whatever is published with respect to internal controls differs from what we have in the US because there has been a, um, then that's been discussed at a number of different times. Manisha, shall I touch, do you want to touch on, um, you know, the finance teams that we're, we've been speaking to? Yes, surely, Greg. So from our conversations with CFOs, FDs, and FCs of listed companies and also large companies. What we're hearing is that a lot of them are progressing with the work across resilience, fraud risk management, and assurance of the narrative reporting, and though they are not planning to publish any related disclosures. And if, and they, they effectively see it as an opportunity to assess the current state and see where improvements can be made. However, there are also others who are reassessing their priorities and thinking of postponing the work to a later date or even evaluating whether further work work is needed. And then touching on the code, so our conversations from companies that apply the code, what they are doing is largely continuing with the work on, inter- on strengthening the internal control and risk management framework whilst they wait for the final code to be published early next year. Before I finish off, maybe touching on on those uh, UK private companies who have parent overseas and effect, and where they prepare the annual reports and accounts mainly for statutory reporting purposes. Our conversations with them have been mainly that they see this withdrawal of the uh, draft company tax changes as a relief. 
Thanks, Manisha. So in the face of all that, what, what would you be advising companies to do? Even though companies no longer need to provide those withdrawn draft companies back disclosures and or even address the, the code changes that have been, will not be taken forward, um, we believe that boards should carry out the relevant tasks to effectively meet the current roles and responsibilities. And and what that, what we mean by that is boards should nevertheless uh, upstand these changes, carry out appropriate steps to assess the prospects of the company, to assess the resilience of the company over the next few years and longer term. They should also look at uh, the current level of assurance they are getting on narrative reporting and plan for where improvements are needed, uh, assess and ensure that they have the right processes in place to detect and prevent fraud, look at the narrative reporting, including sustainability reporting, and ensure that uh, the integrity of those, that, of those information that are being disclosed. And uh, also with respect to the code changes that have been dropped, we believe that boards anyway uh, should continue with their work to consider diversity of gender, social and ethnic backgrounds when considering board appointments amongst other matters. All these uh, draft changes that have been withdrawn, though they presented challenges, they also provided companies with an opportunity to step back and assess and validate uh, their value creation plans, their value preservation plans, and also uh, to really embed the right behavior within the organization. So they provided boards an opportunity to assess the key value drivers, the risk, the related processes, controls, governance, and also the key, the most important matters. In terms of what companies should do next, some companies have already started working on those once anticipated changes and others are less advanced. So wherever companies are on this journey, it would be beneficial for them to use really use this opportunity to assess how their business can be better operated, managed, and how boards can effectively deliver their duties. Yeah, Manisha might come in there actually and just you know, d d drill down into one of those uh, areas that you touched on, which was around quality of reporting. And, and I think in short, my thoughts here, Phil, would be um, produce high quality disclosures and improve what, what exists um, currently. So our listeners would have seen the government issued a non-financial reporting re uh, review survey over the summer. And this was referenced as a reason for withdrawing those Companies Act changes. Um, I, you know, we need to look at the non-financial reporting framework in the UK and work out how can it be simplified and streamlined to make it more user-friendly for stakeholders. There's clearly been a proliferation of information which has gone into the front half of annual reports and accounts uh, over the past few years. And if you go into the detail of the draft reporting regulations, these did provide an opportunity for companies to assess their existing reporting and make it more transparent, concise, connected, and useful for stakeholders. So companies should definitely continue their work to make their annual report and accounts a better product, which is more relevant and decision useful for stakeholders. And and there's a bunch of there's a bunch of information already out there which can allow our listeners or guide our listeners um, to to achieve this. So the FRC last December issued a publication: What makes a good annual report and accounts. Um, 
there was a recent financial reporting um, lab publication on materiality covering the same themes. And we've just recently had the annual corporate reporting review and the annual review from the FRC on corporate governance reporting. So there is a whole raft of information out there absent this new legisl- legislation which can guide our listeners as they as they try and improve their qual- the, the, the quality of their disclosures. Okay, well, thanks both. That's been really uh, a really insightful summary. Um, it's clear that there's a, a lot that companies should be doing, notwithstanding that these draft re- regulations were withdrawn and, and the proposed changes to the code have, have been scaled back. Uh, and your message to them is, is clear. There are benefits in continuing to, to, to work on improving uh, their, their corporate reporting processes. Uh, that is expected to continue to generate benefits, both both for businesses and also for stakeholders. We'll continue to monitor the uh, the updates from the government and the FRC on on, on financial reporting uh, standards and, and the upcoming final code, and keep you all informed. I'm sure we could continue talking about this for a while, but unfortunately, that's all we have time for in today's podcast. It's been great chatting with you both, so thank you very much. Uh, we have many more great guests in the future episodes who are passionate about good governance, ESG, and technology. So please do subscribe to our podcast and get alerted when new episodes are published. Thank you and goodbye for now. We can endlessly debate about our future, but now is the time to stop talking and start doing. ESG, environmental, social and governance, embeds positive impact into our actions, not just around climate change, but the whole fabric of society. At KPMG, we have the knowledge, ability, and experience to guide business leaders to drive real change. ESG is now. Are you with us? Search KPMG ESG to find out more.